0: Good job. Well, I just want to welcome you all tonight. Thanks for being here and everybody that's online watching. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which I think Bernie started last week. And tonight we're going to talk about love. And uh, hopefully I lay a foundation for the first few minutes and then I'm going to try to apply where love takes us. You know, very familiar verse in Galatians 5, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, and then it says, and there is no law against these things, which is amazing. You know, when you do those things, you're free. You have liberty. There's grace. And... Uh, It's so cool to be free from the law, and that's why God wants to produce these things in our lives. In uh, 1 John 4, 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love is of God. You maybe remember this old song that we used to sing. But anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Which, that's pretty heavy. Pretty heavy words. If you don't love, it says you don't know God. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life. This is real love, like Jeanette said. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. He chose us, and He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, that much. It says, we surely ought to love each other. You know, when we talk about love, this is not talking just empty words. This is talking about God's kind of love. Um, You know, and love is one of those words that's both a noun and a verb. Love as a noun is a description of intense feeling, great interest, or you could say pleasure in something. That's the emotions, but love is a verb, it's action. You know, love initiates, love does something. You know, love puts you into action, and it's a continual ongoing choice all the time, as well as it's a continual promise and for you to do something. And the more you know God, the more you want to do something. And uh, you know, I'm sure you know that there's three kinds of love, but the kind of love that we're talking about is Agape love, God's love. You know, it's sacrificial, it's unconditional, and it's the highest form of love. And you know, we already sing sang John three sixteen, which is a verse I'm sure most all of us know. But you never get tired of thinking, saying, singing that verse for God so loved each one of us. It's amazing. You know, in James 3, 17 it says, but the wisdom or love of God from above is first of all pure. It's peace-loving, it's gentle at all times, it's willing to yield to others, it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always secure. That's God's kind of love. You know, God's love has no hidden agenda. There's no false or deceitful motives behind it. Um, We can't always say that about our kind of love. You know, God's love leaves you free. You could say there's no hooks. Uh, Sometimes after people presume to love you, when they're all done, you feel like you owe them something. That's not God's kind of love. God's love is completely pure. No false, no motives, just I love you. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about this. You know, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful. It's not proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. You read that, and you say, wow, that's God's kind of love, and that's the kind of love that God wants us to have for each other's. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, three things that will last forever— Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. You know, God, he showed his love by giving Christ as our sacrifice while we were still sinners. And that's what John says. He says, greater love has no man than this, that he'd lay down his life for his friends. And I just want to encourage us that actually, ultimately, our faith rest in God's love. That's the foundation of who God is. And that's what our faith is. And because he proved his love so many different ways, so profoundly to us, it's not hard to put faith in a God that loves you like that. You know, it's like, that's the foundation. You know, Jesus says that he is the cornerstone and his word is the blueprint. And... uh, We are living stones, it says, being built together, a habitation of God to offer up spiritual sacrifices. That's what God is working in all of us. And, you know, it's, um, you know, what is really important is that our faith expresses itself by love, you know, by serving, by giving, by encouraging, actually by being Christ-like, you know. Faith that works by love, or you could say love for God's grace and mercy, because God's love is unconditional. It says, he that spared not his own son, how would he not also freely give us all things? What a confidence it gives you when you pray, when God did this and this and this and this, and you ask according to his word, why wouldn't you believe that he's going to do what you asked him and what he promised? That's God's love. You know, it motivates our love for Him when God loves me, and I love God, and God loves somebody else through me. It motivates me to grow in love. Um, When we praise Him, when we worship Him, when we live for Him, you know, you could say we talk about the kingdom of God a lot. Well, it's love for the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And you know, the kingdom of God is within us. And what is the kingdom of God? It's the rule and reign of God's life in me through the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. That expresses itself by love. You know, John 15, four, it says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For the branch cannot bear fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in the vine. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those that remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." What's he really saying? He's saying, maybe in plain English, stay plugged in. You know, stay connected to God. Uh, You could say, in order for that to happen, you need to water the relationship that you have through praise, through prayer, through time, and by guarding your heart and your thoughts You stay plugged in. But if you don't stay plugged in, it's like the vine and the branch. The branch only bears fruit as it's connected to the vine. Who is a life-giving spirit? He is. And that's why it's so important for us to stay plugged into God's love. And um, he goes farther, and he says in John 13, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Who's our example? Jesus. He loved us, and he wants us to love others. That's a pretty fair deal. <clears throat> in First John 4, he says, We know how much God loves us and have put our trust in his love, for God is love. If you want to define who God is, God is love. That's simple. That's profound. You can't hardly comprehend the magnitude of what that really means, that God is love. You know, the Bible says he only does wondrous things. God's love. And you've got to remind yourself, God loves me. He's for you. Always for you. He's always there to help. His ears are always open to our prayers. God loves you. What does the enemy try to do? Get you to not love yourself sometimes. But God loves you. You can't say that enough. God loves me. He says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will will not be afraid on the day of judgment. What a tremendous message if you were here this past Sunday with Seaborn, when he stood behind the cross. Wow, it says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels or casts out fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. I don't know if I can say I've totally experienced God's perfect love. You know, we love each other because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And He has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believer. Now this verse I came across a few weeks in my devotions, and I read quite often in the Phillips translation, and it really jumped out at me because this we all know this all the time, perfect love casts out fear. Well, can you say every day that you never have fear? Maybe. But this is what it says in the Phillips, it says, love contains no fear. It says, indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear, for fear always contains some torture of feeling guilty. That's why you fear. Because what does the enemy do? He accuses you. He tries to condemn you. He tries to point a finger at you. He tries to tell you you're not good enough. He tries to shame you. And it's that fear that, you know, that, that's where it comes from. You know, it's like one of my favorite songs. It says, my one defense is your righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. You know, when the enemy comes to point a finger and condemn and shame and put guilt on you, what is our one defense? What Jesus did. He made us the righteousness of God in Christ. That's my defense. That's my only defense. And that's why it says, oh, God how I need you to remind me that in you I'm forgiven, I'm righteous, and you love me. You know, in 1 John 5, it says, loving God means keeping His commandments, and uh, you know, that's really the test of our love for God, uh, is do we obey His commandments? You know, everything He says is for our good. Everything he tells us to do is because he loves us. And my love for him is proven by me doing what he tells me to do. Um, Simple, but not so easy to do. You know, to obey God every time, every situation. But the more we love God and the more we comprehend his love, the more we want to please him and the more we want to live for him. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, in the 11th verse, it says, no one can lay another foundation other than we already have in Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames." See he's saying there's going to come a time when our works are tried by fire, and love is the test. What is the reason? What is the motive? Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it because you love? Or we could put a lot of other reasons why we do some of the things we do. And I don't even want to get into those. You can figure those out. But check the motive of our heart of why we're doing what we're doing. Because someday anything that's not done by love will be burned. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty sobering. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. You know, I could say, or you could say, your love for God is really the motivating Controlling force that gets you to do what nothing else can get you to do. You got to think about that. See, my love for God, your love for God, gets you to obey the, gets you to do the right thing when you don't always feel like it, but you love God. And you know, I shouldn't say that, or I shouldn't do that, or I should do this, because it's your love for God that is really the ultimate thing that gets me to serve, to lay my life down, to offer myself, to do what God wants me to do. It's His love for me. You know, love is amazing. Love sent Jesus to the cross. That's His demonstration of love for us. And our demonstration is that I keep His commandments that I do what God tells me to do, that I live a righteous life. That's love in action. You know, in Proverbs eight thirteen, 13, uh, a lot of verses of words in the Bible are kind of interchangeable. But it says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. You could say, all of those who love God is to hate evil. If you really love God, you hate evil, because what fellowship does light have with darkness? You cannot love evil and love God at the same time. So if you fear or love the Lord, you hate evil. You know another verse in Proverbs 9, it says, love of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom or the beginning of wisdom. You know, knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If you love the Lord with all your heart, what are you? You're open to the truth. You want what's right. You wanna please God and you wanna glorify God. And that's pretty wise when we do that. And so you're hungry constantly because you love God to grow in understanding, to grow in obedience, to grow in godliness. Um, You know, Paul says in Ephesians three, he says, uh, by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading the good news. He says, though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. You know, He's given each one of us that same privilege. We have the privilege of telling others the good news, of sharing the gospel. He says, we're ambassadors. This is, we're agents of reconciliation. Um, You know, and what a privilege to know God. Each one of us have a testimony of what God did for you. God's love invaded your life, and God changed everything about your life, and now your love for God is what you live for, what you motivate for. And Paul said, I was privileged to be able to tell the Gentiles about the good news. What a privilege for us to know God, to know His love, to have the good news, and to have a testimony of what God did for us. You know, And he carries on this theme in many of his, his writings. He, in verse 8 he says, unto me, whom less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Wow. The unsearchable riches of Christ. There's a promise for every need. There's a blessing that's unbelievable. And what is he really saying? He is saying that he is compelled by God. You know, if someone asked you, would you be able to say that you are compelled by God's love? Are you compelled by God's love to do what we've been talking about, to be an example, to live a holy life, to glorify God, to bear fruit, to stay plugged in, to tell others the unsearchable riches of Christ? Is that the driving passion of our life? Are we compelled because of what God did for us to make sure that other people, you know, each one of us have an opportunity. Each one of us have a sphere of influence. Each one of us run run across people, that we have an opportunity, you know, to tell them about the unsearchable riches of Christ. In Acts 20, he says another, he says another way. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What a statement. He says, my life is worth nothing. Wow. You know, life is a gift, it says. Invest it wisely. In Philippians 2.17 He says, but I will rejoice, even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. See, that's what he's saying to each one of us. Your faithful service, your faithful service, your faithful service, every one of you's faithful service is an offering to God. When you serve God, it's a sweet smiling sacrifice to Him. You've got to remind yourself of that, because you know what? It's not always easy. It's not always convenient. It costs. It costs to serve God. But when you serve God, and when you're compelled by God to live your life that way, he said, it's an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy, he says. I mean, he found something in God that motivated him to do things that, you know, some of these verses we already read, it says when he calls himself the less or the least, I don't know what that makes mean. Or when he says these momentary light afflictions, I mean, he he went through some unbelievable stuff. I mean, shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, and he's talking like this. In 2 Timothy 4, 6, he says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to, guy, to God, and the time of my death is near. Wow. And he, was, he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He was fearless because he was compelled by God. God, help us all to be compelled by your love to live a life that glorifies you, that's worthy of your sacrifice that you gave for me to live my life as you are an example. You know, Paul says all over the place, follow after me as I follow after Christ. Um, You know, take a look, do it like I'm doing. And he says in Romans, he says, and I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. In Psalm 36, it says, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings." David must have said, I don't know how many times throughout the Psalms, he says, I rest, I trust in your unfailing love. Your unfailing love. Your unfailing love. God never fails. He loves us. He watches over us. He gives us angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. God is watching over us all the time. God is at work in our lives every day. In Ephesians 1.15, Paul says, I thank God continually every time I hear of your strong faith in the Lord and your love for God's people everywhere. You know, I think that we don't realize that sometimes people might say that about you. You know, when they see you, and when they see you living for God, and they see you going through hard times, and they see you hanging in there, good job. I'm proud of you for hanging in there. I thank God that you're not giving up. I thank God that you're not turning back. You know, I see people go through stuff and I say, God, that encourages me, that challenges me, that motivates me to see other people going on with God, not giving up, not throwing in the towel, not compromising. See, and that's what he's saying. He says, be an example. You know, we've, we've said, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. You know, Paul says... He says, your life is a letter known and read of all men. When you don't say a word, people are watching. People notice. People see what you do. You know, it says we are living epistles known and read of all men. Sometimes your witness of what you do in those situations is as good or better than the best sermon you could preach. That's the love of God. When you do what's right, and you serve God, and you obey God, and you pay the price, that's the love of God being expressed in you and through you. You know, in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, he says, this is what I've done. He says, I have in short been all things to all sorts of men that by every possible means I might win some to God. Whatever it takes. You identify, you witness, you reach out, you show them, you love them, you care for them, you give them, you you hang in there with them, you find common common ground with this in mind. I'm gonna win this guy to Christ. I'm gonna encourage him to find in God what I've found. But that's what it takes. He says, I've been all things to all people Red, yellow, black, white, poor, rich, it don't matter. By God's love, He wants us to be all things, to all people, to win others. That's our mission, that's His plan for our lives. It's motivating, it's challenging, it's encouraging. It gives you vision. If you grasp the love of God for me, for you, and his love for others, it says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And he wants to use each one of us to reach somebody. And in 1 Thessalonians, this is kind of where I want to end. He's talking to the Thessalonians who he poured his life out to. And he says, Apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands on you, but instead we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. And see, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives. That's powerful. See, in other words, he's saying, I didn't just come preach a bunch of you know, verses and uh, you know, kind of tell you what to do and throw a verse on you. you know. And uh, no. He said, we shared the good news, but we gave our heart to you. We gave our lives to you. We prayed with you, we wept with you, we served with you, we cared for you. He says how? Like a mother feeding and caring for her own children, nurturing, encouraging, caring. And a little later in the 11th verse, and he says we know that we treated you as a father treats his own children. He compares it to a mother and he compares it to a father. What does the Father do? He tells you the way it is. More than once, Paul, because he loved them, he rebuked them. He challenged them. He said, what in the world are you guys doing? Oh, you foolish Galatians, you began in the spirit. Now you're going to try and do it this way? See, as we share the gospel, and as we try to win others to Christ, there's a time to be both. There's a time to be caring, loving, forgiving, and encouraging, but there's a time to be challenging and telling them the truth and saying, that's wrong, and this is the way you should do it. And that's what he says. He said, we didn't just come and preach to you. We were examples. We lived my life before you. And when he got to leave, these very same people begged him not to go to Jerusalem because he said, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. And the verses he said, I know, but I'm going to go anyway. And, he's, and before he left, they, they, they broke bread, and they wept. They loved him, and he loved them, and they had a relationship because he gave his life to them that he was encouraged by them, and they were encouraged by him. And that's the challenge of our lives. To have people like that in our lives that we're challenged by and that we're challenging them by giving our heart to them, by being there when they need us. You know, he says in Thessalonians, he says, And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love grows and overflows. God loves people. And he wants us to love people too. That's what he wants. He wants his love expressed through us to others. And he says in Thessalonians, he says, well, we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving one another. God has already taught us this by what he's done for us and by what our example is to you. Love each other every day, every way, all the time, any way you can, love each other. Because what did he say? He says, faith, hope, and love. But what's the greatest? Love. What does our faith rest in? His love. Why do we have hope? Because he loves us. Because he's made promises. I can have faith, I can have hope, and I can live in God's love. And I'll close with one of my favorite verses. This is in 1st Timothy 1. Paul writes a verse here. He says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and a genuine faith." He said, that's the purpose. That's the goal. If we want to shoot as high as we can shoot, all the teaching, all the things that we do, the purpose is that each one of us would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. That's God's love for each one of us, and that's His plan. And I hope that you're encouraged to live a life full of God's love. As we close, you know, there's an open invitation to any one of us, every one of us, to receive the love of God. It's very simple, it's paid in full, it's free for God's so will of the world. All you have to do is invite him into your heart. Nobody can do it for you. It's a choice. It's a decision that each one of us gets to make. And if I could make it for you, I'd make it for you because the right answer is yes. (laughs) But not everybody says yes. But today is the day to say yes to Jesus' love, to live your life full of God's love, forgiven, free, righteous, peace, purpose and I don't know if there's anybody here that has never accepted Christ like that or online if you want to text in, you can text in let's uh, just bow our head for a minute and pray, I don't know if there's anybody here that's never accepted Christ but if you don't you're missing out the greatest journey, the greatest purpose the greatest freedom is to find God lord we just thank you for your word we thank you for your spirit and god we we surrender we give our lives to you god live your life through us a life of love for you and for each other in jesus name amen